I will help you bear this burden, Frodo Baggins, as long as it is yours to bear. By my life or death, I can protect you. I will. You have my sword. And you have my bow. And my axe. Hey, hi, hello, how are you? And welcome back to Watch It Again, the podcast where we go through 101 movies to see before you die. As always, I am Jacob, and with me are... I'm Kat. Oh. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, wow. Hey. Wow. Of all sides to do the a, massive a, yawn. A theme of things to come. Wow. Oh, wow. So, this week, it's my turn, and I have started... Well, for, so for my next three movies... It's kind of going to be a trilogy because I thought at each one being around four or longer than four hours long, we can't talk about all of them at once. So today will be Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, and stay tuned because I'll do the other two later. So much yeah, let's later. go. Let's <laughs> Not much later. In. Let's jump in. <laughs> so um, Nick, how much of this movie have you seen? All of it. How much had you seen before I chose it as this movie? About an hour. I, I can pinpoint the exact spot where I stopped watching. It was when they were knocking on the inn door. Wow. The, yeah. Kat, before mm. I chose this movie, how much of this had you seen? <laughs> Only up to where they formed the fellowship. And how much have you seen now? Um, The second half of it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like kind of how I've seen Titanic. Like yeah. halves each, except I watched Titanic. Well, I'd second seen, half and I'd, first half. I'd always started this movie with the intention of watching all of it, but then I just Me couldn't make it through. No. So. so I've seen this movie, fuck who knows how many times, a lot. So as a kid, if I was homesick, it was pretty much either Lord of the Rings all day, Star Wars original trilogy all day, or a certain other movie that we haven't yet to cover, and we'll come back to that. But, yeah, it was sort of like, I've watched this these movies a lot and kind of know a lot of the scenes back to front. But for this episode for Fellowship of the Ring, I'm kind of going to focus on some of the casting, some of the um, things that were brought in to make this movie possible, and then kind of a backstory to the actual story of Lord of the Rings, and then the next one for either Two Towers, Turn of the King, it might be a bit more about Tolkien's life and then how the story progressed and where the inspirations came from. So I'm kind of just going to break it up mm-hmm. so it's that not sounds good. like all of back, like, you know, just to spread out because there's so much behind these movies and then so mm-hmm. much went into making them and then also, like, the cast of these movies is just insane mm. like you've got so like for this movie like the main cast you've got elijah wood sean Aston, billy boyd dominic monaghan ian holm um ian mckellen vigo mortensen orlando bloom Liv tyler sean bean kate blanchett christopher lee john reese davis andy circus and hugo weaving so like this is a huge cast mm. but also in 2001 it wasn't a huge cast because some of these people such as Orlando Bloom. Orlando Bloom was cast two days before he finished drama school. It's like he hadn't even finished, like, stu- he was just about to finish studying. I didn't know and that. And then was cast in this movie. So it was kind of like there you go. the start of his career. 
And then you've got someone like Christopher Lee, who had done 200 and something movies, mm. coming into this as, you know, the pinnacle of classic, like, acting. Mm. You know, so you've mm. got people at either end of kind of like... Got a real mix. Yeah. Was it for this? I think it was... It might have been for one of the other ones, but um, he, I think he, it was Peter Jackson he was talking to, and he had to explain the sounds and what... So the like kind of movement someone would do when they're getting stabbed to death. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> because he's killed multiple people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I hope like, that wasn't oh, Kate's so fun cool. fact. No, okay. it wasn't. I've got another Christopher Lee fun fact. That's right. So, um, I'm just going to adjust my mic. Sorry, everyone. There we go. Um, the movie starts off with a kind of historical intro of an, a voiceover kind of going through the history of the ring. And... It's done by Kate Blanchett's character, Gladriel. It was initially recorded by Elijah Wood as Frodo, but it didn't fit. So then Ian McKellen recorded it as Gandalf, and it still didn't quite fit with the tone of that kind of opening scene. So Kate Blanchett did it because Gladriel's kind of this timeless, like she was, you know, kind of yeah. alive, and it's this timeless thing that like it makes more sense that she was there so the rings of power that kind of are the focus of these movies there's the one ring obviously that the fellowship is setting out to destroy there was nine rings given to the rulers of men three to the elves and seven to the dwarf lords the elvish rings are kind of important because the elves it, the, all the rings were made by an elf named um, Selbrimbor, and he's like I can. That's definitely not pronounced. <laughs> but he comes back later. In there's a game called um, Shadow of Mordor, where the main character is half man, half wraith. But that wraith is the spirit of this elf. So it's really weird to bring him back as this character, kind of like in the modern day, because. That battle in the opening scene is 3,000 years before the Fellowship of the Ring. Mm. But the Rings of Power were forged 1,700 years before that. So it was 1,762 so years. About as long as it took to watch the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, so the Ring of Power was made nearly 5,000 years before Frodo got it. So it's this huge time span. That's kind of happened in this world. And when we get to, obviously, like Sauron rises and it's like the rings of power. So the men instantly succumb to the power of the ring and all nine of them pretty much, you kind of become the wraiths that we see in the fellowship. So once they're killed, they are, you know, come back as servants of Sauron. The Elven Rings are different because when we get to Fellowship, all three of them are still being worn. So Elrond's wearing one, which is, it's written here somewhere, blah 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 um, I don't know where I wrote it. It's here somewhere. Yes, okay. So Elrond's wearing the ring of sapphire slash the ring of air. So he has kind of the power of 
air. Mm-hmm. Um, Galadriel is wearing the ring of water. And Gandalf holds the ring of fire. So the, the ring of fire was given to Gandalf when he first arrived in Middle Earth because the elf had originally had it had died. So Gandalf isn't... So, like, the whole timeline of this, Gandalf and the other wizards arrive around a thousand years after the battle at the start. So those wizards... Like, there's no wizards in Middle-earth mm-hmm. before that. So they get they get sent from another, like, realm and take on, a, like, a body form to assist in preventing Sauron returning. But Sauron is a member of their species, but he's more powerful than they are. So when they come, like the five wizards, we meet two in this and there's we meet a third in The Hobbit, which is Radagast the Brown, and we never see the two blue wizards. So they travelled west and never came back. So they just disappear. So no one knows okay. where the two blue wizards went. But through the stories of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, we know of three. Um, so they, yeah, get sent through. The Balrog that um, Gandalf fights is also a sub-member of that species. So there are all these weird... Crossovers. Yeah. It, it, so they're called... Um, I had no idea about the wizards. So they're called Maya. So... Sauron, Gandalf, the Balrog, Saruman, they're all wizards sent by this higher power to, but like the Balrog's kind of been sent evil. So there's, you know, there's obviously within any species or culture, there's obviously evil groups and good groups, you know, Mm. but in The Hobbit, there's a whole subplot and it's kind of the reason like, obviously for this, we only talk about Fellowship of the Ring, but in The Hobbit, there's a really good subplot behind the story of trying to get the mountain back and killing the dragon with the dwarves that's about Sauron's return and the rise of evil in the north. Mm-hmm. So at one of the former fortresses, Dol Guldur, there's a necromancer and he's bringing back, you know, the dead. Those dead being the nine wraiths or the Nazgul. They're oh, so that then back. leads into... And that kind of leads into what's happening. But that necromancer is Sauron. So Sauron is attempting to return and Gandalf goes and faces him alone. So ooh. <laughs> so Gandalf kind of goes into this fortress and is essentially captured by the orcs. And he's kind of, which he's really good at. He's really good at just going in to face off against another wizard or sorcerer and then just getting captured straight away. Because that happens in the Fellowship of the Ring when he confronts Saruman. But, you know... Good on you, Gandalf. He's trying. <laughs> so he goes in and he faces off with Sauron. But when he's there, Galadriel, Saruman and Elrond show up. And there's a, this, this crazy fight where the four of them are pretty much fighting off the wraiths. And Elrond, Elrond's just going nuts. And like, like Saruman is still on the side of preventing Sauron. Like, he's fighting with them. But at the end of that battle, um, Sauron's kind of sent not quite back to where he came from, but he's sent off in the direction, back towards Mordor. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of implied that he wasn't quite defeated and that he's still in Middle-earth. And that sets up 
him reestablishing himself in Mordor for these movies. Mm. So, and then Saruman's like, they're like, oh, we have to go after him. We have to make sure he's destroyed. We have to prevent all this. And um, Saruman's like, no, leave that to me. And that's kind of the moment that he realizes the only way is for him that he sees is to join with Sauron rather than stick with the council. Mm. So he then, which is kind of like the first indication that he's going to go essentially bad. And then that leads into where we are in Fellowship of the Ring. So from The Hobbit to The Fellowship, there's 60 years. But in the movies, the start of The Fellowship, the to- like Fellowship in the time's extremely condensed. So at the start of the movie, it's Bilbo Baggins' 111th birthday, mm-hmm. which is extremely long for a hobbit to live. But it's because he has the Ring of Power that he got and the bottom of the Misty Mountains off Gollum in The Hobbit. Mm. Because knowing that Sauron was returning, the ring kind of escaped from Gollum because the ring somewhat has a mind of its own because part of Sauron lives within it. Mm. So it kind of deliberately bounced away from Gollum into the path of Bilbo because it saw a way out of the mountain. And it did that because it knew Sauron was returning. So Bilbo gets it and then it spends 60 years in the Shire in which his birthday, he gives it to Frodo. In the movie, it's like a year, roughly, from when the birthday party happens and the ring's given to Frodo to when Gandalf comes back. And then they have the sequence where he throws the ring in the envelope into the fire and then Frodo reads it and then then Gandalf realises... That it's act that it is the One Ring. Mm. In the book, it's seventeen years. Yeah, it's a much longer. It's a much period. longer time. So in the book, there's a whole plot that is cut out of the movie. That in that time period, Gandalf at the like after the birth and the Ring, once Bilbo uses it to disappear, which Gandalf knew he had a magic ring but didn't realize it was the One Ring. But mm. kind of his suspicions were growing. Yeah, and. Um, he sets off to discover if it is or not, and he goes and like starts really reading into the ring, because obviously he wasn't in Middle Earth when the ring, that whole you know the first War of the Ring yeah, happened. Yeah. So he sets off and he goes to Minas Tirith and researches. But before that, in the book, him and Aragorn spend years hunting Gollum and capture Gollum. And take him to the Woodland Elves where Legolas is. And they interrogate Gollum and get all the information out of him. And then that's what leads him to go and find the scroll of Isildur in Minas Tirith, which we see that bit in the movie. Mm. And he's reading all about it. And then that takes him back eventually to Frodo. So heaps happens in that 17 years. Like Aragorn's there, Legolas is there. And then we get. You know, he comes back to Frodo and then he does the fire test and he realises it's the One Ring. So there's this whole, that whole sequence is cut out. But you kind of know, it's kind of hinted at in the movie that Gandalf, Aragorn and Legolas know each other really well yeah. before mm. coming to the Council of Elrond. And this is where the Hobbit breaks the timeline. Because at the end of the third Hobbit movie... Legolas's father tells him to go north 
and find a ranger by the name of Strider. And like, you know, he then tells him that he is the heir to the throne of Gondor. So he's talking about Aragorn. Yeah. The issue is, in the book timeline for these, Aragorn should be 10 years old at that point. In the movie, it's kind of implied that he's about 20 because they cut out that 17 years. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of implied, oh, well, when he gets to Lord... If he's this age, if he's actually, you know, 17 years old, and when we get to Lord of the Rings, his age will then be right. Yeah. Mm. So it kind of like, they kind of fix the skipping of that 17 years in The Hobbit, but it's still... The name Strider doesn't come till much later in his life. Yeah. But it's kind of implied that Legolas goes and finds Aragorn then. Because Aragorn's part of a subset of humans that live for an extremely long period of time. So by the time we get to Fellowship of the Ring, he's in his 80s. Oh, really? Yeah. So Aragorn's in his 80s at this point in the Fellowship. Like, he's about 87 in Two Towers. So it's kind of... Like, (sighs) he lives for an extremely long period of time. Because he's the direct line of Ilsildur. And like that's like the kings of Gondor. Mm. And like their like kind of family live for ages. <laughs> and it's really weird. Um go back a page. I went through that, yep. So the ring tries to find itself a powerful host. Someone that can wield it. And throughout Fellowship, there's two, well, there's three moments of temptation. The first being Gandalf inside Bag End, mm-hmm. where Frodo offers him the ring. You know, he tells Gandalf, Gandalf, take it, Gandalf, take it. And Gandalf's like, do not offer this to me. Like, don't tempt me. Mm. Because if Gandalf took the ring, he knows he'd end up being an evil Dark Lord like Sauron. Yeah. Because the ring would corrupt him. But he resists the temptation and passes the test. So, wait. So, what is the actual power of the ring then? It, it's not quite explicitly stated. Yeah. But Sauron put his power into the ring, and their species, like if Gandalf used all of his actual power, because they're kind of limited in their human form mm-hmm. or wizard form, but if he used all of his actual power to defeat Sauron, he would wipe out the entirety of Middle Earth. Like, they are these all-powerful beings. And Sauron is more powerful than Gandalf. So they just have this, like, immense kind of magic power. And someone that would be able to wield the ring properly would kind of have extended long life and all these kind of abilities to go between the shadow world and the real world, which is like when Frodo puts on the ring. Yeah, he goes, he's half in the shadow, Mm. which is why he can see the Wraith's actual faces. Yeah. Because he's half and half. Yeah. But, yeah, so Gandalf passes the temptation test. The second is Galadriel. When Frodo visits her, when they're, like, in the woodlands and they're down at her, like, kind of water bowl, her mm-hmm. seeing thing, and she shows him a vision of um, Hobbiton being overrun by orcs and everyone enslaved and, you know, what's going to happen if they fail. Yeah. And... She is extremely tempted by the ring. And you see her, she uses all her power. Like she goes full, because she is essentially, apart from Sauron, she is pretty much the most powerful creature 
in Middle Earth. Like she is the all powerful, like elf. Thing. Like, yeah. yeah. But she resists the temptation, and you hear you say, you know, she igno- she she says acknowledges like, oh, I that, yeah I that passed. she passed the temptation, mm. and then she knows that she's good enough of kind of heart to yeah. continue the fight because. Yeah, so she passes, again, the test. The third one's Boromir. And Boromir is a really interesting character in the Fellowship because he's the only one that's kind of there not under the intentions that are stated at the start. Mm-hmm. So Boromir was sent by his father, who is the steward of Gondor, because Gondor at the moment is kingless. Because Aragorn's father died so long ago and Aragorn refuses to take the throne. So, Boromir's father, the steward of Gondor, sent him to get the ring. To use it for Gondor. Because Gondor wants the ring. Because Gondor is, like Minas Tirith, like their city, looks at Mordor. Mm-hmm. Like it's across the fields. It's the, You can see the mountain. Like if you're standing in Minas Tirith, you can see the fires of Mordor. So, they, think, they see themselves as the front line and want the ring to use for themselves. So, Boromir has all intentions of stealing the ring. And he's kind of just there to, to do that. Get the ring. And he tries to take it from Frodo. And there's like you guys would have seen obviously there's the scene yeah. towards the end of the movie and like he has that massive argument with Frodo. Frodo turns himself invisible and kind of trips him over and runs off. Yeah. And then the final battle ensures. So Boromir essentially redeems himself after so he fails the test. Mm. Like he fails to resist the ring because the ring would have been speaking to him. Mm-hmm. So he would have been able to like hear the ring calling to him and he failed the test but Frodo kind of got away there is actually a fourth temptation which is Aragorn because Frodo kind of holds the ring out to him and Aragorn passes like closes Frodo's hand because Aragorn knows that he would also be tempted yeah because like his ancestor Isildur was, he would fail. And he knows if he took the ring, he would be selfish and use it for himself. Because, you know, at this point, he does not want to be the king of Gondor. Like, he doesn't want that responsibility. Mm-hmm. But he knows... Him and Gandalf are kind of the only two people in the whole, like, movie, or in the whole fellowship, that know what's really happening. Yeah. Yeah. Legolas somewhat knows. Gimli's kind of just there because he's there. But, and the Hobbit's obviously just tagging along because Frodo's like, I'm going to do it. And now the three Hobbits are like, well, we can't leave Mr. Frodo on his own. But yeah, Aragorn and Gandalf know everything that's at stake and kind of... Well, I guess they've lived through it. Yeah. And when Gandalf dies... Aragorn's then completely aware of what's at stake because they've now lost their most powerful kind of ally. Mm. And it becomes a whole new thing. It's like, oh shit, like Gandalf's gone, but he knows. And at the splitting of the fellowship at the end, Aragorn knows what's more important. Like he knows, he's like, okay, Sam and Frodo will be fine. Frodo has the ring. If he has to, he can use it and... They'll be okay. Mm. Saving Merry and Pippin is at that point more important. 
Mm. It's like, we need to save Mary and Pippin and then we can go and help Frodo. Because, mm. like, but right now, Frodo's snuck away. The orcs, like, the you know, think they have the ring. Mm. And it's fine. So, like, Frodo and Sam are now not being hunted. How is it that Frodo can use the ring then and not be corrupted, I guess? So... Or turn super It's kind evil. of implied in The Hobbit as well. So, Gollum was originally a Hobbit-like creature. Mm-hmm. And it corrupted him over yes, hundreds of years right. and turned him into the creature that is Gollum. Right. When Bilbo gets it... You kind of see it's that kind moment of, yeah. where he reaches for it yeah. at the elves' place. and he like. So, in the movie, that changed. That's yeah. all just in Frodo's head. Okay. In the book. Sorry, in the book, that's in Frodo's head. In the oh, movie, right. it's kind of shown. Yeah. But in the book, it's Frodo kind of getting scared mm-hmm. with by holding the ring. He's kind of like, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. But it's kind of implied that hobbits, being hobbits, they love the comforts of home. Mm-hmm. They're very much, you know... They don't see... Peaceful creatures. Yeah. So if they have wow. the ring, it takes the ring a lot longer to cr- try and corrupt them. Mm-hmm. Because they have no... They have everything they want, Yeah, really. they have no yeah. lust for greater power. Oh, right. So the yeah. ring can't play on that lust for greater power. So you see it kind of with Bilbo. Like, when he gets the ring in The Hobbit, he just uses it so many times freely to turn invisible. Yeah. Mm. And it doesn't really... It's only because he kind of has it for 80 or 60 years mm. that it kind of... But his whole thing is he just wants to keep it. Yeah. Same as what Gollum did. He just wanted. They just want to yeah. keep it. They don't want to use it mm. because it's sort of they're not. They don't have the temptations like men and elves do, and that's why kind of Frodo it like Frodo was the best choice yeah. as a ring bearer because he doesn't have that greater need for yeah. something. The other thing the book that the movies do that's different to the book is the portrayal of the hobbits. So in the book, the hobbits are a lot more brave and badass and like kind of, they're stronger characters. Mm. Mm. So when there's that moment that the wraiths come and they're on top of Weathertop and they're attacked, the hobbits fight back. Like the hobbits like are fighting the wraiths Mm. because like they're a lot more on the attack rather than just cowering. Yeah. And Aragorn kind of then comes in at like the last minute and scares them off. But the hobbits are kind of... But in the book, they're like, oh, like, they're really, like, timid. Yeah. But, like, in... Sorry, in the movie, they're like, really timid. In the book, they fight, kind of hold their own... Because their swords, yeah. in the book, there's a whole bit that's chucked out. They get captured by a tree, and there's a character called yeah. Tom Bombadil that saves them, and then they spend a night with the elves, and they get given the weapons. And the wraiths are scared of the weapons because of what they're given. So when they attack, but Frodo stabs one of them with his, like, with the sword. And from that point, the reason they don't really, like, in the book, they don't really chase is because they're kind of scared of, they become scared of Frodo because of, like, he attacked one of them and he wounded one of them with the sword and, like, halt, like, who is this, like, creature? Mm. And kind of when Frodo's all... Poison, because he obviously gets stabbed and he's all like, po- like you know, passing into the yeah. right, like the shadow world. Mm. In the book, he's talking and he's conscious and he's kind of moving along, and it's not, um, 
Arwen that comes to the rescue. It's Elrond. And Elrond does the water and like it's a whole, yeah, it's kind of like subbed out. But yeah, Frodo's kind of conscious the whole time and keeping the hobbits in like a higher spirit. So like it kind of changed that a lot. Mm. So it's, yeah, really weird. Um, (laughs) I think that's more endearing though, like having them be more timid. Yeah. Because it's like the first movie in this new world that like most people seeing it would have no clue about. So it kind of makes sense to have like the main character be like, yeah, and I like, guess too, it gives you someone to relate to because yeah. you're, yeah. you're like you're learning with him yeah, a lot. Yeah, exactly. A lot of it, yeah. Whereas like, and another moment in the book, Frodo is like a really strong character. Mm. So when they're outside, um, Moria, mm-hmm. in the movie, Merry and Pippin throw rocks into the water, and Aragorn's like, "Don't disturb the water." In the book, it's Boromir that throws the rock, and Frodo yells at him. Like, Frodo is his, like, in the book, is a really strong character that's kind of, like, there. Like, he knows what he's doing. He's heard the stories of his uncle. Like, he knows the dangers of the world, and Mm. he's kind of ready Mm. for it. Um, What else? Um, I covered that. I covered that. So, what did you guys think of when Gandalf fights the Balrog in Moria? Or did you, did you just not watch? Where where he dies? Yeah, where he oh, dies. Oh, okay. Yeah. Where Gandalf dies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> cool. I'll be honest, Like I've been listening to most of this thinking, oh, God, I wish he just said the actor's name. <laughs> Ian McKellen. <laughs> yeah, no, I know who Gandalf is, obviously. Um, yeah, I thought that... Frodo's Elijah Wood, if that helps. Is that, oh, the, yeah, the dude from um, Spy Kids 3D. Yeah. yeah. So Elijah nice. Wood in Spy Kids 3D? Yeah, he is. He's yeah. the guy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I thought that happened in Return of the King, so I wasn't expecting it. I was like, no. ooh, he's dead now. But Yeah, I, he is dead now. I, I assume he's in the rest. Well, I had seen that scene, but I didn't know where it fit into the story. Yeah, okay. And then, yeah, I saw him fight, and like I knew that he like Did whipped the, and, yeah. and he yeah. fell. So. so do you guys know what happens to Gandalf yeah. next? Yeah. So you guys know okay. that he's in the other two movies? Yeah. Okay, oh, so he well, becomes spoilers. Gandalf the White. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> what happens is Saruman the White is kind of the leader of the wizards in Middle-earth. Mm-hmm. But he gets corrupted and goes to... Lee. Yeah, Christopher yeah. Lee. And he goes to Sauron's side. Mm-hmm. So when Gandalf is killed, mm-hmm. like in his body, he goes back to where he came from. But they're like, your job in Middle-earth is not done. Like, your mission is not finished. Mm. So he comes back as Gandalf the White because he takes the role that Saruman had. Mm. And, yeah, in the next one, I'll kind of cover what happens with Gandalf in regards to that. But, yeah, he does come back, and that's why. Like, because you essentially can't kill them. And that's why Sauron came back. Because you can't, like, when, when you kill their kind of Middle-earth form, they just go back to where... And then get a new body. Yeah, and if they're, like, Sauron's kind of powerful enough that he doesn't need it, but, like, those that sent Gandalf n- are trying to stop Sauron. So, like, well, you're not done yet, mm. you idiot. Why'd you die, you moron? <laughs> back you go, like, you're not finished. Yeah. Um, there's There's a fun fact in this about Legolas and Frodo. Frodo never 
in the entire trilogy says a single word in the movies to Legolas. Oh, what? And Legolas says one sentence to Frodo. Do either of you know what that sentence might be? It happens at the Council of Elrond. Uh, so when Legolas pledges his bow oh, yeah, exactly. to Frodo, that's the only yeah. time in the entire movies that he ever talks to him. What? It's so weird. There you go. He says one line to him. Did they just cut out some, like... I don't know, but he's never... <laughs> like, he just never have a conversation. And it's like, what is happening? Yeah. Whereas, just like, keeps to himself. Frodo and Aragorn kind of... And Frodo and Boromir and, like, Gandalf start to chat all the time. Yeah. Like, nah, yeah. sorry, sorry, like, Legolas, like... <laughs> Like obviously, they, like off oh, camera, they would have had conversation. Like, yeah, it's yeah, it's really weird, really weird. Mm. Um, <laughs> so there's some changes from the movie to the the book to the movie in the Council of Elrond. Mm-hmm. So Legolas tells of like in the count like in the book, Legolas tells them about how Gollum escaped, and he's like, we don't know what happened. Like he just disappeared. Like he just vanished. Um, before that, Aragorn and Gandalf tell the story of when they interrogated Gollum and how they captured him and all that, they kind of like, well, this is what we know talking, like telling everyone else about the ring. Mm-hmm. Um, Gandalf tells everyone about how Saruman has turned against them and he's no longer considered an ally and they have to be ca- like, watch Isengard. Mm-hmm. Um, Bilbo is on the council. So he's sitting there for some reason in the movie, he's not there. Like he's in mm-hmm. Rivendell. He's just not. Yeah. He's just not at the council meeting for some reason, hmm. some reason, but like him and Gandalf tell the story of the ring. So Bilbo kind of just tells everyone about what, ha- how he got the ring and how he used it and how he's had it for 60 years. He's like, sorry. <laughs> sorry. You guys yeah. are looking for this. <laughs> um, and then in the movie, it's kind of said like, Boromir asked the question, like, why can't we use it? And Aragorn's like, and Gandalf like, no one can use it. But in reality, like anyone could use it, it would just turn them into a dark lord, like like yeah. Sauron. So they, it's kind of like they're just saying, no, no one can use it because it's like mm. we don't want that to happen. Yeah. Um, don't need more baddies to kill. Yeah. Them. So that's pretty much that. Oh, um, Gandalf knows that the Fellowship will never work. He knows from the get go that their mission they set out on is not the mission that's going to happen. Like, there's you know the 13 of them just walking to Mordor and are just going to walk in and destroy the ring. Like, he, Gandalf knows that can't happen mm. because as soon as they got to the gates, they'd just be met by an army of orcs. Like, he knows they can't sneak in, but he, they set off anyway because Gandalf knows that for this to be successful, Aragorn has to become the king of Gondor. Yeah. They have to wow. unite the kingdoms of men and elves for this to work. But they set off and Gandalf kind of sets them on a path for that to happen. Is that why um, Arwen's... Is it Arwen? No. The Ar- elf? Yeah. Is yeah, her Ar- relationship yeah. with him is so crucial? Yeah. So Elrond, her father, does not approve because obviously he's a man, she's an elf. She's yeah. immortal. He's going to live for hundreds, of, a couple of hundred years, but Elrond's like, he's going to die. And yeah. like, then, then what? What are you going to do then? But she's like, I don't care. I love him. He's oh, my favourite. <laughs> and it's like, okay, whatever. Um, so they were never meant to all make it to Mordor. Mm. Like it was never the plan. Um, 
but Aragorn also kind of knows this. So Aragorn's kind of, he's reluctant to take the throne, but he knows he's he has to. to. And he knows at some point they're going to end up in Gondor. And if he ends up at Minas Tirith, then it's kind of be like, oh, shit. <laughs> and we'll come to that later on, what happens when Aragorn gets there. And it's like, oh, okay. oh, no. Um, so Boromir redeems himself and dies as a hero. Yeah. He saves, well, attempts to save Merry and Pippin and kind of, he realises the error in his ways and how important everyone else is. And he's like, oh, I've got to, you know, do something. Um, at the moment of his death, he is pardoned by his king. Mm. So as he's dying, you know, Aragorn rushes over and Aragorn being the heir to the throne of Gondor is essentially Boromir's true king. Because Boromir is like, a knight of Gondor and Aragorn forgives him knowing everything that Boromir tried to do like kind of confesses like I tried to take the ring Mm. Aragorn kind of forgives him pardons him and kind of lets him die as the hero that he should be yeah and it's really touching like thing that Aragorn's like no it's okay like it's okay you've done the right thing now like don't worry about it and it's like a touching like kind of final like character thing that like mm. it's a, like it's all right Boromir like, you're a bit of a dick but <laughs> wait till we meet your brother <laughs> um also like the splitting of the fellowship at the end is an important like groupings mm. so like Frodo and Sam go off one way towards Mordor and they'll eventually yeah also Sam is so stupid he can't swim <laughs> and he goes into the water anyway <laughs> I'll come to Sam That's in a second. Yeah. So Frodo and Sam go one way. Merry and Pippin are captured, so Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn have to go after Merry and Pippin. Mm-hmm. But obviously, in the next movie, we'll talk about where everyone ends up. But yeah. it's very important that they're split that way because you've kind of got like three main groups, like three groups now, and the whole next movie is now just jumping between the three. Yeah. So Twin Towers, you spent the whole time jumping between the three groups and there's major story changes between book and movie done in the next one Okay. in regards to where everyone is and who's doing what. But you know, that's weeks away. Um, Sam is the real hero of this story. So Sam is essentially the hero of Lord of the Rings. And I'll get to that. And when we talk about return of the King, but in this, he kind of, he is the selfless kind of best friend for Frodo. Mm. Like, Frodo has all this pressure put on him. Sam's his gardener. Like, Sam is Frodo's gardener. Like, they're friends. But Sam is essentially... Because Frodo and Bilbo have a fair amount of money after the events of The Hobbit. Like, they're pretty rich. Like, Bilbo kind of got a lot of stuff from the mountain and, Mm. you know. So, Sam is their gardener. But Sam selflessly drops everything. And as a hobbit, like, Merry and Pippin are kind of a bit crazy, like... Yeah. And, you know... But Sam's kind of very reserved, very shy, very nervous. And it's kind of shown at the start. But he drops everything. Nick, you're breathing really loudly. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, kind of, he kind of like drops everything to help Frodo. Mm. And he's there to support Frodo. And obviously in later movies we'll get to like, but Sam is the hero of this story. Because of it, after everything that happens, he will always be there for Frodo. He made a promise. Yeah, because he made a promise. And he made a promise to Gandalf 
at the start to look after Frodo and to make sure that he's okay. Because Gandalf knows that the ring is going to start playing with Frodo's mind. Mm. And he makes Sam promise, you know, look after him, make sure like he's okay. So Sam is kind of like the hero that Frodo needs while Frodo's trying to be the hero of Middle Earth. Okay. So it's really, it's a really like important thing that like Sam is there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll move into some fun facts. Oh, can I say my fun fact? You can fact? say yours first. So Christopher Lee heard that they were filming this movie and he really wanted to be a wizard in it. So to prove that he could play a wizard, he started booking wizard roles oh, in God. other movies and TV shows okay. and auditioning for it so that they would see him in that and go, he'd make a good wizard. That's not the fun fact I had. <laughs> but, oh, I actually um, have one too, but I feel like you're going to say it. Say it before Jacob. Okay. Did you know that before Ian McKellen was cast as Gandalf, I feel like everyone knows this, but Sean Connery was offered yes. the role, but he didn't take it because he didn't get it. Yes. He didn't understand theme. it. That's a running theme for the end of his career. He just says no to stuff he doesn't get. Like, it was yeah. something else iconic. Yeah. Um, but yeah. He's like, I don't understand this. Yeah. And he just kept saying no to stuff he didn't get. And then he said yes to leave Extraordinary Gentleman. He didn't get it, but he thought, oh, well, it's... Yeah, I'll just do it. It's weird. I'll do it. And that was his last movie. Yeah, that's terrible. (laughs) Because it was awful. Such a bad movie. So my fun Christopher Lee fact is he is the only member of the cast who has met J.R.R. Tolkien in real life. Oh, really? So they met in an Oxford pub one night. And also Christopher Lee, since the year it was published till his death in 2015, read The Lord of the Rings once every year. Mm. Oh, that's sweet. If you don't know much about Christopher Lee, go and like have a look at his life. Mm. There's heaps of podcasts out there. Yeah. He has had an extraordinary life. Yeah. He like he lived through wars. He killed a lot of people. Kill, killed a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And like and now he's this mm. famous actor. And he always seems so like not evil too. Like I'm yeah. like yeah. He he's the I'm kindest, like, gentlest like person but like mm. he i yeah just look him up on wikipedia yeah. at the very least i watched he's awesome the making of this movie the other day and it has a scene at the end and it's christopher lee and he's talking to the cast but it's kind of like at the end of like because they kind of film all these three movies together mm. like they were filming scenes for return of the king and then like two weeks later they were filming a scene for yeah. two towers like it was mm. all kind of but um he has like there's the whole like main cast in the room and like everyone's there like and, like the whole crew everyone's there mm. Mm. and he does this big speech like you know he goes on and he's like you're the kindest and best crew I've ever worked with and he has this massive thing for everyone Aww. but through the whole time he was giving notes to Peter Jackson because he knew so much about yeah the lore the and the, the, yeah. like he was kind of like we should do this we should do that like he was this everyone's thing but he always wanted to play Gandalf. Yeah. Mm. He always wanted to be Gandalf, but like... Yeah, that's a shame. And the first time he met Ian McKellen was on set. <laughs> and he's like... And he, Ian McKellen tells the story, he's like, yeah, I wanted to play Gandalf, but here you are. Oh! <laughs> and then from that moment, they were best friends. That's oh, so that's sweet. Nice. No, like, no. So um, another fun fact about Sean Bean, the man's terrified of flying. Oh, really? Like, oh, yeah. genuinely terrified of flying. And... There's this story that they had to film up in the mountains. Mm. 
and he refused to get in the helicopter. He was like, no, nah, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Base camp where they were all like, everything was set up like to fly up there was a two hour hike away through like really steep mountains and stuff. And Sean Bean was like, nah, fuck it. So he went to make up super early in the morning, got fully done as Boromir, and then walked up the mountain. Oh and Peter Jackson tells his story they were flying in the helicopter over this like mountain range and there's this much a sheer like 30 foot cliff face and there's this this man Sean Bean dresses Boromir just climbing it to get to set and Peter Jackson's like what are you doing oh my God. and Orlando Bloom tells the story because one day he actually had to get in the helicopter for a different like scene like somewhere else and yeah. he had to get in and Orlando Bloom tells the story he was sitting next to him and Sean Bean's hand was on his, like, Orlando Bloom's knee. <laughs> Full white knuckle. Like, Orlando was like, it was white knuckle. Like, you, it was, he was terrified oh, of flying. The poor guy. In a movie where they had to, like, helicopter all Everywhere. over the place yeah. all the time. Oh. And he just couldn't cope. Oh, yeah. And he used to just hike to set. He was like, fuck this. I'm not getting in the helicopter. He'd just walk there. <laughs> He'd get up heaps early in the morning and just walk there and then walk back. Because the man's an ins- insane. Like, I really what? like Sean Bean. I enjoy him as an actor. Yeah. It's just, oh, it's so funny. Yeah. Although I couldn't get him out of, like, him playing Ned Stark. Like, I kept seeing that when I was watching this. And I was like, no, this isn't Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, when you see him with a sword, it's like... Yeah, it's like, okay. yeah, who, you! <laughs> who do you think is the tallest member of the Fellowship? Ooh. Who's the tallest? No, who's the tallest oh. actor? <laughs> Who is the tallest actor in the fellowship? Um, Orlando Bloom. Nope. Is it? Oh, I feel like they're all small. I feel like everyone. <laughs> it's going to be one of the hobbits. Everyone... It's not a hobbit. Oh really? I feel like the everyone we think yeah. is tall. No, John Reese Davies Gimli is the tallest oh, really? member of the fellowship. He is a giant man. <laughs> oh, because I read that he was the right height in relation to. No, there's the really there's really weird. Oh, yeah, like him standing next to the Hobbit actors is, is the right. right height. Yeah. But him standing next to either Legolas, Aragorn, Boromir, or Gandalf, he's taller than all three of them. Oh <laughs> or four my of gosh. them. Like, he's, and it's like, there's really funny, like, behind the scenes, because obviously he has a stunt double. Yeah. That's the appropriate height to stand next to the taller, the taller mm. members. Yeah. But there's him fully dressed as Gimli, like this massive man, just standing next to Legolas. And like, oh, that's not right. What is going on there? He's not a dwarf. Like, why is Legolas so, why is Orlando Bloom so small? <laughs> um, the original cut. So you guys should be lucky. Like the extended edition of this movie goes for much three and a half hours. Yeah, I know. I watched the last yes. half of it. <laughs> the, do you want to know how long the original cut of this movie goes for? Like five and a half. Four and a half. Oh, yeah. God. I want to see the missing hour. Oh, I bet you do. I really do. That would be the best. I want to watch The Missing Hour. It's probably the forest where they get abducted by the tree. (laughs) I just want to see it. Um, When at the start, when there's the firework goes off Mm. and like Mary and Pippin set off the dragon firework in the book, like Gandalf Gandalf sets it off because it's a tribute to Bilbo with his work in defeating the dragon. Mm. But in the movie, they set it off. Like they set it off. But Billy Boyd, who plays... Which one? He's Mary? Pippin. Billy Boyd thought this firework was going to be CG. Right? <laughs> so I thought they was going to shoot in the air and it was just going to be nothing and then, like, the bi- like the dragon bit's obviously CG but the actual yeah. firework that goes off at the end. 
he's like, oh, it'd be CG, like the dragon's CG. Like, why would there be an actual firework? No. It was an actual firework that they set off. And he squeals. Like, <laughs> genuinely screams. And you can hear it in the movie. <laughs> like, they kept it in because it's hilarious. Because he, he just screams because it just goes off. And he wasn't ready for it. Like, they like they light it and it goes off. And then, you know, they were like, oh. And it, just, and it, it just explodes and he just shit his pants. Oh. Yeah. He just, like, shits his pants and just squeals because he just wasn't ready for it. And supposedly everyone lost it. That's so good. Because he was just like, what was that? Like, not ready at all. Um, So, obviously, in this, it's, too, it's like, the year 2000, like it came out in, um, in Australia on Boxing Day 2001, mm-hmm. right? So CGI and stuff isn't the level it obviously is now. Yeah. And they had a movie where you've got to make people look like hobbit size next to men, mm. right? That are roughly like the people being the actual same size. Yeah. And in this, they use a lot of practical effects. In The Hobbit, there's a lot of... Di- it's di- pretty much all done digitally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But... There's a lot of perspective shots. So, like, there'd be a table that's higher yeah. with Gandalf, like, with Ian McKellen sitting at it, and then Frodo sitting at a lower table, and then Gandalf would be, like, the like the perspective on the camera. So, when yeah. the camera's set up, it looks like they're different heights. Yeah. But Frodo's yeah. just sitting, well, Elijah Wood's just sitting further away. Yeah. Even in the cart, there's, like, a good metre and a half yeah. between them. But when the camera's set up in front and the way it's set up, see, I think yeah. I only they really, look like they're side by side. Yeah, I only really noticed a shot like that once. But yeah, yeah, and but it's done really well. I think and they it, built a lot of the sets, like they for well, the Hobbit. Yeah, hole. there's multiple. So there's one that's thirty three yeah. percent smaller. Yeah. Than the other one, so there's the set that Elijah Wood does all his shots in. Yeah. And it's appropriate size. Then there's a set that's thirty three percent smaller mm-hmm. that Ian McKellen does everything in. Yeah. So he looks massive. Yeah. Right? But then Elijah also had to do everything else on a blue screen for when he's with Gandalf in some scenes. So he was then imposed yeah. into mm-hmm. the Gandalf shots when they're next to each other, like when you can't do a perspective trick. Mm. And there's a really funny moment of like Elijah just kind of on a blue screen with the audio track playing of him talking, just doing the actions. <laughs> And then, like, it's, like, cut. And he's, like, how did I go? And you hear Peter Jackson's, like, no, that was really good. And Elijah's, like, this is so weird. What am I doing? <laughs> and Peter Jackson's, like, no, nah, no, nah, just do it again. That was really good. Like, we'll just do it again. And Elijah's, like, what am I doing? Like, it's just a blue room. And he can just tell he's just, like, and he's just listening to, like, the track. And he's, like, what is this? Like, what the hell? <laughs> Isn't there a clip of Ian McKellen? I don't know if it's, like, you can see it. But there's, like, it's him filming The Hobbit. But he's just in like a tiny little green box yeah. with like a, talking to a tennis ball, and yeah. he's like kind of breaking down. He's like, "This isn't yeah. why I became an actor." Yeah, because like oh. in the Hobbit, obviously it's all practical yeah. and like they're there. But and then when it gets to sorry, in like in Fel- Lord of the Lord Rings, Rings but in the yeah. Hobbit, it's just all CGI. Yeah, yeah. everything and like just like okay, Ian, talk to. But there's that. a reason in the Hobbit it's all CGI, mm. because like in the Lord of the Rings, like they had to make every el- Orc costume, every elf yeah. costume. Like, it was just yeah, another. These like, two guys spent two years making chainmail out of this lightweight aluminium stuff. And don't they, they not wore, have fingerprints yeah, now? They wore the fingerprints off their thumb and index finger. Holy shit. Because yes. they spent two years mm. straight making costumes for all three movies like the orcs, the elves, the men, everything. Yeah, that's insane. Just the chainmail. 
So when it got to the Hobbit, they're like, we are not doing that again. Yeah. So yeah. all the orcs are CGI. Mm. Because mm. they're like, we can't do this practical again. Because it almost killed people yeah. in making these. Like, it was just mm. insanity. Like, they used a group of New Zealand Army reservists and extras for battle scenes. Yeah. On the first day, they injured seven Army reservists. Oh like, God. broken, like... Like torn tendons, like they were just people were dropping like flies, yeah, because it was just in and the areas they're working with, it was just insanity. So when it got to like the Hobbit, they're like, nah, can't afford this it. is CGI because we just can't do it. And then obviously it becomes harder for the actors to then act to, yeah, yeah. But it's just insane. But in this, they developed a computer program called Massive. I read about this. So yeah. Weta Digital or Weta that does everything. So Weta Digital did all the CGI, and then Weta Art did all the practical stuff. And it's like a New Zealand-based company. Massive was a computer program that they had to design to create the CGI armies. But in it, and it's a feat of the time, every character in each army has independent thought. So it's like each one has a different movement. and They're yeah. not just clones. They're, they're not all yeah. like, yeah. They have independent thought. Each different species has their own fighting style. And like there's orcs, men, elves, and they all fight. Like each elves are going to fight in one way, men are going to fight another, orcs are going to fight in another. Mm-hmm. They're able to wreck, like, it's much like a computer game in that the orcs recognize men and elf characters as the enemy, mm-hmm. and the men and elves recognize each other as allies. So it's much like if you played like a RTS like game that like you're having a fight and they're just going to attack each other, like, yeah, they meant to, and that's just what they did. They just set the battle up, and just let and it. just let it go. Huh. And that was how they did. They have to program it so that there was one certain side like oh, yeah, win. yeah. But like it was kind of like this is what's going to happen, and yeah. just let battles happen. Yeah. So you got a more realistic, just fighting mm. like the background fighting, because obviously like you got cuts and stuff, and yeah, you got to make yeah. characters. But like when you just have a big group shot, yeah, it just lets it just happen. That's really cool. And like it was just a feat of genius that they could do that. Yeah. There was another bit where they were walk- they had to film up in the mountains and there was moss everywhere. But under environmental ro- laws, you're not allowed to touch the moss. So they had carpet everywhere. So they're up in the mountains with carpet walkways. So you could stand on a rock that didn't have moss or on the carpet. And it's a real funny thing, like two of like the producers that are up there and they're like, oh, don't go off the carpet. Like... <laughs> Make sure you stay on the carpet. Don't touch the moss. He's like, rock carpet. And the moss is like between his legs. He's like, don't touch it. Oh, no. So that's really funny. Um, There was a giant version of the ring made. So it's probably like about a foot in diameter. And that was for the close-up shots of the ring. Oh. Because you can't really do a close-up shot of something that's a ring size. Yeah. So they made a massive one. With the... With all the stuff, with all the stuff on it. So on you could it. like see, yeah. see it. Um, the scene in which the ring's dropped on the ground and just heavily plops and doesn't bounce. So, you know, like at the start of the movie, like the ring's dropped and just hits the floor with like a yeah. thud. And doesn't, there was a magnet under the floor. Ah. So the ring just, boom, sticks to the magnet and can't move. So it was a high-powered electromagnet under the flooring or the fake flooring. Yeah. And then so when the ring hits it, it can't bounce because the magnet just gets it. That's clever. So that's how they did that big thud. 
that it's like, oh, well, the ring's actually not going to bounce because it's warm. Like it's yeah. a, and it also kind of symbolizes the ring is a heavy burden. Like it's not yeah. a light object. Yeah. And you see it in later movies. Frodo starts to get a marking around his neck where the necklace is mm. because the ring is physically pulling down mm. and wearing it like mm. the skin. Um, Another thing they did was all the models and stuff like the troll and whatnot were built real and they had a 3D sca- handheld laser scanner and they'd scan the whole, they'd stand there and scan the whole model into the computer. So instead of designing the troll in the computer, it was built in real life with all the mm. little details and stuff and then they would hand scan it in and then the model would be built in the computer as they scanned it that's cool and it just took hours upon hours of doing all these little things like it was just insane like they were developing things on the fly to make this work like there's a shot where the camera goes down into isengard and through all these different caverns and yeah then it ends up and then you have a shot of like saruman walking Mm. so it was four separate sets at different sizes that the camera had to fly through but at the end there's a blue screen so you can put the start of the next shot in it so it was four separate shots, but when you hit like the little tunnel, whatever you go through, you incrementally got to a bigger set. Mm. So the last one, you then get to Christopher Lee standing there. Mm. And that was kind of just all out there. And it's all miniatures. So everything was just like, I say miniatures, they were still pretty big. Like some yeah. people could crawl through some of them. Like, like this one, like people were like crawling in and making it and stuff. And so the camera would fit through. Yeah. But obviously you can't build all these massive sets. And it's just insanity that, like, they just spent hundreds and thousands of hours just building all these things, like, especially in the next two. But, like, even, like, um, Rivendell is a miniature on a painted background. Yeah. And the water is just a digital effect coming out of the painted background to make it look, give it depth and make it look real. So they were just, like, it's just insane. Like, this movie, like, watching it now holds up. Yeah. It does. Like There's it was a few, 20 like, years CG ago. things. Yeah. But... but it essentially, like, holds up and looks amazing because it's all just real. Mm. It's all miniatures and practical effects. And the miniatures look amazing that you yeah. can't... And they have little people walking along it to give it depth. Huh. So, they, it, like what we spoke about with 2001 A Space Odyssey, where they superimposed people onto a painting. Yeah. They pretty much did that here, where they had people walking through the background painting to give it depth and life. That's awesome. And it's just, yeah, it's crazy. Um, oh, Vigo Mortensen. So, he wasn't the original Aragon. Mm. So, Stuart Townsend was cast and made it through four days of filming. Then Peter Jackson got rid of him. Why? Because he was too young and he was really shit. <laughs> <laughs> and they were kind of in limbo because they're like, what do we do? And... He approached Vigo and Vigo was like, well, I don't really like know what any of this is. Can I think about it? And Peter Jackson was like, well, we've already started filming this movie. Like, So they were filming all the scenes that Aragon's not in while still not having an Aragon cast. And then Vigo's son, Henry, convinced Vigo to do it. Mm. He was like, no, you've got to do this. Because like, Henry had read the book. He's like, you've got to do this. And he was like, Ugh. and then Vigo started reading the book. And he was like, yeah, okay. So he said yes. And he was like, yep. Viggo Mortensen's a very anxious, reserved person. And he was like, oh, yeah. He was like, yep, I was ready to go. I got, like, you know, I got on the plane and I landed in New Zealand and then I was shitting myself. <laughs> the very first scene he filmed, his first day on set was Weathertop where he protects the hobbits. 
and he didn't say a line. So it was like two weeks into filming by the first time he actually says a line, mm. like while he was on set. But like, and then they filmed that, and it was instantly sent back to America, and the studio executives watched it, and then they gave the approval for Vigo to be cast. <laughs> so that he could have der- like that could have derailed the whole thing. movie yeah. if they didn't say yes. Oh my gosh! And he only ever used real swords. Really? Yeah, so in this, there was three different types of swords. So there was proper, like, steel swords that were made. Yeah, that were for the actors. There were aluminium ones made that were really light for stunt work. Mm. And there were, like, foam ones made for people to kind of smash each other with. Mm. Vigo refused to use either the aluminium one or the foam ones because he didn't like the weight. Mm. So he'd only use. And all the real. Like, even all the real ones, they were blunt and they had a. Curve like the end wasn't pointy; it was yeah. rounded off, so you couldn't. But as the guy making them said, if you put po- if you poke someone hard enough with this, it will go through them. Yeah, yeah. He's like, it's a real sword. Like if you sharpen this, like it's you could cut someone up. Could, yeah, yeah. He's like, if you push this into someone, it would go through them. But like, the oh, fencing, the guy that actor. trained them all, he was like an Olympic fencer or something. Yeah, and like was classically trained. Mm-hmm said that Vigo was the best swordsman he ever trained. Huh. So they spent years, like, throughout the filming, like, learning how to do all this stuff. And by the end, Vigo was doing a lot of his own stunts and sword work and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And he was just... He picked it up really easily. Remember, like, Orlando Bloom spent 18 months learning how to fire a bow. Yeah. Yeah, he does a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know, all these different things. And, like... There's a moment at the end of the movie where the leader of like the pack of Urukai throws a dagger at Aragorn. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It wasn't quite meant to happen that way. There's a tree behind Aragorn. That's a real dagger and it was sharp. Because that throw was meant to lodge into like he was meant to throw it and lodge it into the tree behind him. It was meant to miss. Mm. Vigo's on his hands and knees, and you know, in that take, he th- like the actor throws the dagger and it's coming straight at Vigo's head. He picks up the sword and just bats it away like it's nothing. Oh my and that's God. the cut that's in the film. <laughs> but if he shit. missed that, it just would have stabbed him. Oh, fuck. And he just picks it up like it was, he just picks up the sword like it was nothing and just went boom and just <laughs> oh. pumps it like into the distance. But in the shot, you can see the sheer panic in Vigo's face. <sighs> He's like, holy shit. Like, I, I almost died. Because like, yeah, it, like, it was meant to literally lodge it like it was a shot it was meant to lodge in the tree like it was sharp enough that it was going to stick in the tree so that just straight through it would have just gone straight in him god and just killed him (laughs) yeah and he just hits it away and then they were like holy who has that reflex like yeah exactly using real heavy swords yeah he picked up a real like the sword was like a couple of kilos and he just swings it and hits that dagger like it was nothing. Oh god! Like an absolute beast. Props to him. Yeah, yeah. It's oh, absolutely it's insane. Just thinking of it. So some other casting around Aragon. Mm-hmm. The initial person asked was Daniel Day Lewis. Mm. He said no to Peter Jackson several times. So Peter Jackson kept asking him, and he kept saying no. Another one was Russell Crowe. Oh, off the back of Gladiator. Okay, Peter Jackson was like, that's the... Like, after Daniel Day-Lewis said no, he was like, that's the man I want. And Russell Crowe was like, no. Yeah, no thanks. You could use a, like, a phone to deflect the... <laughs> um, 
Vin Diesel auditioned for the role and was never called back. Oh, the poor guy. <laughs> and um, when it started, like after all this, before Stuart Townsend was cast, Nicolas Cage said no. So Peter Jackson uh, asked Nicolas Cage to do it. It's just like, what the yeah. hell, man? Can you imagine Nicolas Cage in this? It'd be terrible. Yeah. It's so bad. And this then, yeah, Stuart Townsend was cast and then he was, yeah. you know, pushed aside and then we got Vigo. And Vigo is... Yeah. He is best. Aragon. Like, yeah. he is so good in this. Um, other castings that people said no or were told no. Liam Neeson was asked to be Boromir. I could see that. Yeah. And that's fine. Like, that works. Yeah. And then they ended up going with um, Sean Bean instead. Yeah. Probably more preferable. But Sylvester like... McCoy for Bilbo. Instead of Ian Holm, but he eventually comes. He eventually gets cast and becomes Radagast the Brown in The Hobbit. Yeah, because I thought Peter Jackson like that's a better fit and kept him in mind for yeah when The Hobbit was made. Um, Lucy Lawless said no to Gladriel, and Uma Thurman said no to Arwen. I like Liv Taylor and Kate Blanchett. Yeah. They just they have are those much better. Yeah. yeah, they are much better. Yeah, yeah. Um, David Bowie wanted to be Elrond. <laughs> but Peter Jackson was like, nah, mate, not happening. He kept, he just kept asking, I want to be all right, all right, all right. They're like, no. no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, obviously, yeah, you mentioned Sean Connery yeah. for Gandalf. Um, Ian McKellen is just great as Gandalf. Yeah. Peter Jackson's a little shit. So at the end of the filming of all the movies, he gave a ring, like the one ring, mm. to Elijah Wood and to Andy Serkis. And for years, both of them were under the impression that they got the they only had the one. one. <laughs> <laughs> they had the one, but they both got one. And then Jackson was like, ha, 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 ha. Um, The Fellowship will have a tattoo. Yes. And it's the Elvish word, like, for nine. Except one of them didn't get it. John Reese davies refused, and his stunt double went instead. <laughs> so his stunt double has the tattoo, not oh. him. Um, Orlando Blooms is on his forearm. Yeah. And it's visible in Pirates of the Caribbean. Huh. Oh, really? Because it was to symbolise his work with the bow. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sean Astin and... I can't remember if it's Dominic or Billy have it on their ankle mm. to symbolise all their hours in makeup for the Hobbit feet. Mm. The other one out of Dominic and Billy has it on his arm. Frodo has it on his lower stomach, like just below his belt line for some reason. Mm. Ian McKellen's is on his shoulder... Um, pretty sure Peter, and then Peter Jackson got one, and he says he says ten, and it's also on his shoulder. So they all kind of got these like little matching tattoos. That's cute. Aragon, um, Viggo Mortensen's is visible. Oh, I can't remember what the movie was, but like for all of them, at one point, like you've seen the tattoo in a movie. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. just there. That's cool. But yeah, so they've all got that little matching That's tattoos. Cool. And Hobbiton was built a year before filming started. Because they wanted it to look overgrown and lived in. Yeah. Like a lot of these places were yeah. built and then left. Yeah. To make them look more, and like they in one of the trees in Hobbiton, they they stuck like they wired on a million fake leaves. What? Yeah, it took someone like three weeks, like a group of people, three weeks to wire all these leaves on the tree to fill the tree out. Oh my god! Um, to m- match the description in the book because it was this big overhanging tree that yeah. you know, yeah. they just turned a tree into it. Far out. And that's um. That's wild. The end of my notes. That was great, Jacob. I learned so much. And just to think, 
that's only about the fellowship. I There's know. two to go. I'm actually genuinely <laughs> excited now. I think I want to try and read the books again. Have it if you want to borrow it. Yeah, I'm gonna. I was gonna <laughs> ask you anyway. I want. So the question, the <laughs> question remains. The, the question remains, Cat. Would you watch this movie again? I think I would. <laughs> In now, one sitting. Well, like now that we've spoken about it, I think I'm more interested in it. Because before it was just like, oh, this is just like an epic movie that's really, really long. But now I'm like, I think, yeah, I think I would enjoy it. Maybe next time I'm sick or something and like have the time just to yep. sit and watch something and not think about everything that else that I need to do. Yeah, I think I would watch this again. Maybe not the back-to-back with the other two, <laughs> but yeah. Nick? I might. It depends what my thoughts on two and three are. So you've never seen two or three? No. And you've never seen two or three? I've seen bits and pieces of two, Yeah, okay. mm. but I haven't seen three. So the thing is... Like, I don't know if he destroys I, the ring or what. I came Fellowship. out of this super... Um, Bored? Well, yeah, bored, but also interested in um, Bilbo's story. But I know those movies aren't good. See, I don't like. I, lo- the I Hobbit I movies to, to me. Decline, the Hobbit movies to me are great. Yeah, like they are good films. Um, but the extended just... edition for the first two both go for three hours, and then the third one's like two hours fifty or something, two hours forty. Mm. But Fellowship of the Ring being the first of the three in this there's kind of a lot of just establishing like Aragorn doesn't come in until an hour into the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's just all hobbits and Gandalf, like kind of like the first mm-hmm. hour and it slowly kind of picks up the pace and you get the final battle at the end. Two towers is kind of straight into it. Yeah. Like it really pres- when you hit return of the King, it's just mayhem. <laughs> like there's like a war over here and a war. Like it just like yeah. it really picks up the intensity Towards and that's like goes for like four and a half hours because there's so much happens, mm. but obviously me yes definitely gonna watch this again and watch them all the freaking time like <laughs> I love it, but yeah like I think even if you kind of I think you would definitely enjoy two and three a lot more like yeah, a lot I more think, happens I yeah. think what happens and you get grander scale like the, the kind of level of danger and the intensity of the battles yeah yeah and you get more characters I can choose. Like in the next one, you'll get to see Carl Urban. Oh, I like Carl Because Urban. Carl Urban comes in and all these other, like, the cast builds yeah. as all other characters to introduce and you'll be like, oh, okay. Like, and for anyone that hasn't watched them, like, I know they're really long, but I do really recommend the extended editions because, like, even in Flash of the Ring, I didn't really touch on it much because I was going to save it for talking about the return of the king because that's the one where it's the most dramatically different mm. between them but even in this it adds so much context to things mm. like in the return of the king there's a moment where if you don't watch the extended edition you're like how the hell is he that like that now yeah like there's whole scenes cut out that explain a change in a character mm. and why a character's now like this and not like that mm. it's just not there and you don't really like you're like oh why has that happened? Yeah. Mm. And yeah, the extended editions like really like highlight the whole story and like especially for fellowship, it adds so much more context into things and scenes are extended and there's extra bits. Yeah. Kind of like it's just extended scenes and a couple of extra scenes, but like it really adds to the story. Like if you just watch the standard edition, you're not gonna get the full 
experience. It, well, even and like this, like, the full picture, like you're going to miss, like there's yeah. important things that are just cut out yeah. for a general audience. Mm. But yeah. For the normies. For the normies, yeah. <laughs> so I guess we can move on to what we've been watching and what we're excited for. Sure. So in conjunction with watching this, I watched all three Hobbit movies. <laughs> because one, and I'd actually and never in a docker, but I'd actually never watched the extended versions of the Hobbit. So I don't really kind of seen fake fan. I'd only seen <laughs> I watched all three of them in the movies, and then once they kind of came out, but I never really like watched them as much as this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, what, I'm gonna like for this, I'm gonna watch the extended editions and see what's kind of added in and how it's fleshed out, and because they're not that much longer than the normal yeah. version. But it it really like. I recommend people, if you're going to watch these, and you're going to watch all like I know it's a long time because it's about nine hours for The Hobbit plus close to 13 hours for yeah. Lord of the Rings. But like spread it out over weeks and kind of like watch, the, ro- watch yeah. the Hobbit first. Like watch all three Hobbit films and then watch Lord of the Rings. Like if you like watch I, it in yeah, story order. I, I I did think that today. Because I was like, Man, should I have done this different? I'm, I'm not gonna watch all those. Not the Hobbit movies add so much historical context to everything. Yeah. And if you watch that and you know all of that and then go and watch Lord of the Rings, I think you're gonna enjoy it more. Yeah. Because you know what's at what's stake happened before and, what's... and you yeah, you kind of yeah. see like, okay, yep. this is what's context. happened. Yeah. And then you hit Lord of the Rings like, okay, I know what's happening. Yeah. yeah, like you understand more about Sauron. Like you kind of like, yep, let's do this. I understand these characters, and you understand Bilbo's journey and yeah. the little references that are kind of put in throughout the three, like Lord of the Rings films, to what Bilbo did. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, it's really they are genuinely good. Mm. And um, one of the dwarves, so like the thirteen dwarves in it, is Gimli's dad. So Gimli's dad's one of the dwarves, and that's kind of cool because you get to see him just kick ass. That is cool. Yeah, so like, and obviously Gandalf's there and Bilbo's there, and it's a really good cast. Like, the dwarf kings, um, Richard Armitage, and you know, yeah, it's a good. It's a good time. Like Galadriel's there, and you get to see Elrond in action. Like you get to see Elrond like just kicking ass, and you get to see Sauron fight. You know, yeah. sorry, Saruman fight. Yeah, like it's it's a good, <coughs> they're good movies. I'm glad you enjoy them, Jacob. Yeah, and then what else did I, I watched something else the other day. But I had a mental blank. Um, I'll go then. Here you, you go. Um, well, I watched the first series of The Great on Stan. Of the what? The Great. What is that? It's loosely based on Catherine the Great, um, a Russian ruler, yep. um, who kind of did a coup and killed her husband and became Empress of Russia. Um, but this is like before that, so it's like starts with her marriage to him, and it's it's very very loosely based on it, but it's. Um, also a dark comedy, so it's incredibly funny. I wasn't too sure about it at the start. I was like, mm, kind of would have preferred it if it was more historically ar- accurate. Mm. But it's bloody hilarious. Like, it is such a good series. Um, it's got Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holt as 
um, the Empress and Emperor, and they oh, just yes, work I, yeah. so well together. I have seen, I have yeah, seen the trial Yeah, almost. we'll like, come back to Nicholas Holt in regards to this in a few weeks, like for Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. Oh, yes, because he. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> is he in it? No, no. He's, he's in the other he's... movie about it. He's plays J.R.R. Tolkien in Tolkien the movie. Yeah, I saw that ah, at okay. work the other day, and I was yeah. like, "Oh, I assume that's all." Tune in for guy. part two of my <laughs> my next turn to find out more about him. Okay, but yeah, um, I highly recommend this series. It's super easy to watch. Um, yeah, just hmm. a really good series. Other than that, I don't think I've really watched anything else. Oh, yeah, no, I didn't. I remembered what I watched. What did you watch? I watched the first two episodes of Space Force. Oh, oh yeah, okay. nah. Okay, I watched the first episode. It of was that. so bad. So bad. <laughs> oh been, my god! I've, I've been, been so excited to watch it. Like by who? A friend from work. Do he's they like, like it? He's, he's mixed. He spent weeks being like, "Oh my god, Space Force comes out soon." Yeah, oh, that was me. I was, I was so yeah, I was so keen for it. I watched it is nothing. Shit. I, I, I watched nothing about it, but oh, it I'm is so genuinely excited. shit. That's a bummer. Me and Luce watched what? the first episode the other night. Oh, give me a breakdown. What what it, what is it? What is Space so, Force? Um, what's his fucking name? Steve Steve Carell. Yeah, is like he gets promoted to four star general, which is like the highest level of general. And he has only answered to like the d- d- director of defense or whatever in POTUS, right? And he's in the Air Force. He's like, yeah, I'm going to, and supposedly yeah. the guy, the guy, the force star general that's in charge of the Air Force is going to be like retiring. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to be in charge of the Air Force. And they go into like a, a joint meeting of all like the leaders of like the Air Force, Navy, Navy Army. Army, Coast Guard, like they're all yeah. the generals are there. And then um, they're like, oh, we're making a space force and you're in charge. And the guy that's in charge of the Air Force is staying in charge of the Air Force. And they're both like, what? Mm. And then, so like they got to get, you know, boots on the moon and all this stuff. And then and they launch a, a satellite and a then... Comedy? It's meant to be. It's meant to be, but I didn't, la- I didn't laugh once. No, I didn't either. Actually, I laughed once because something was really painful to watch. Mm. But then like they launch a satellite and then the Chinese have a way bigger satellite that just ruins it. And then they have to use like a chimp. If it's already up there to try and... Mm. Yeah, it's fucking shit. It's so bad. It's, it's like... Because I was so excited And it has a it. really good car, like yeah. comedy cast yeah. and no one's funny. Yeah. Like, not a single joke lands. Like, oh. They'll even say a joke and you can tell, like, the other actors, like... Fuck, there's that blank, was shit. Yeah, there's yeah. blank <laughs> staring at them. Or, or they're waiting for people to, like, stop laughing before yeah. they... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> before they respond. That's a shame. It's like, so bad. Netflix stuff has gotten all right. Like, yeah. Except so, like, this. Because think back, what, even, like, two years ago, everything sucked. They were just putting out shit. But it's... Okay, I liked Greg Riverdale d- two years ago. Yeah, it's... <laughs> I, and that's good. It's written by Steve Carell and Greg Daniels. I did not Daniels. like Riverdale at all, ever. <laughs> like, this is written by Steve Carell and Greg Daniels, who wrote The Office. Yeah, so mm. it should be good. I don't understand... <laughs> How you can write the American mm. office and then write this maybe and have See, this be trailer, so shit. The trailer for this series looked really good. Yeah. yeah. Maybe but, it was because yeah. they could kind of do whatever. I don't know, man. I think it could have been a lot better than it was. Yeah. But maybe the English terrible. will do a version of it and <laughs> it'll be better. And fix it. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was the worst thing. I, what, two episodes is like an hour, like the half an hour each whatever. It was just. Yeah, yeah oh, not oh. enjoyable. Fucking terrible. Like, oh, that's a shame. Oh my god, don't watch it. Mm. Everyone listening, do not waste your time. Do not watch Space Force. It no. sucks. Move along. Watch something else. You could watch what I watch, which 
which was uh, the season finale of Rick and Morty. I haven't watched it yet, Shush. <laughs> I haven't had um, time. I watched freaking 14 hours of Lord of the Rings yeah, movies. You, you could have woken up like 20 minutes earlier. I should have watched that instead of Space Force. Yeah. Um. What do I say without spoiling it? Just say it's um, really good. Yeah, sure. Like, is it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I mean, you could say it was really I bad. I mean, Rick and Morty is great yeah. anyway. Yeah. So. Um. Did you watch it? No, no, I haven't okay. seen any of this season. Yeah, fair enough. Well, I, I think after... Is it game-changing? No, not game-changing. Oh. Um, it's very... Like... What do I have to say? Um, I think like, they cover stuff in this last episode that I would have been fine not really seeing. Like, I think after that episode where they're in, like, the story circle... The train. Yeah, the train. Yeah. yeah, the train episode. I think after that, I was kind of down for like whatever. Like, I didn't really yeah. care where they went. Like, I, and I was never really like one of those people that was like, man, if they don't do Evil Morty and whatever else, I, yeah. I'm going to lose my shit. Like, mm. I think it's kind of reached the level of Star Wars where I don't really care. Yeah. Like, it's kind of oversaturated. And I'm like, oh, yeah. well, I'll watch what comes out. But if it's like, yeah. if it's just whatever, if it's not abysmally shit or great i don't <laughs> yeah care. and this was a lot better than the last season and um yeah they do like they do cover a storyline and i'm like oh, okay like yeah okay they, and you wouldn't yeah I, I wasn't expecting them to do stuff with it and i'm like yeah okay well, yeah okay good fair enough yes cool cool fair enough um i think that's it yes um i think i was gonna watch something but oh i'm gonna finish reading The Man in the High Castle and then start the TV series because apparently mm. that is really good. First two episodes are great. Yeah. Haven't watched anything past it. Okay. Oh, okay. I thought you were no. going to tell me it's shit. I was no. like, oh. <laughs> I started it at work like at the video shop one night and I watched yeah. like two episodes. I'm like, this is sick. And then I just didn't watch any more well, and I'm always like, I should go back it. and watch that um, and I just haven't. Mm, there you go. Yeah, I don't I know. I can't remember it. the guy who wrote the book. He's like, one of the greatest sci-fi writers of all yeah. time, and I don't know. like he's critically acclaimed. But yeah, I am very, very excited to watch it. So I think I will keep my Prime subscription. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like the cheapest one. Yeah. I know. I it's saw like that, and I was like, I can afford five dollars a month. Yeah, it's nothing. <laughs> yeah, because I got it for free shipping, and I yeah. just happened to have the, <laughs> like, the streaming service. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, like, sick. That's awesome. It's like I have Apple TV. Because with the student mm. Apple Music, you just get yeah. Apple TV for free. Oh, well, really? I've got a and it's like okay subscription now. So it's so. like there you go. Apple TV is like yeah. I kind of want to buy a new phone just to yeah. get. <laughs> well, Apple Music because like, I don't want to pay for just the service. Yeah, Apple Music. I think it's like the student one's like five bucks a month. Yeah. I'm not a student. I technically am until the end of the week. Actually, when this comes out, it'll be my last day of uni. But um, Congrats. but like, it's yeah, it's like five bucks like a month. And you just get mm. Apple TV for free. Not that there's anything on it, mm. but I have it. No, I, I, I really do want to s- watch morning some show of the stuff good. that's on there. I kind it? of want to yeah. watch the Jason Momoa... Is it C? Is that uh, what it's that. called? Yeah. yeah. The so morning show with Jennifer Aniston yeah. and... I've seen the first episode of that. A couple of episodes of that really were pretty good. good. Yeah. I haven't finished it, but like it I, was... I want to finish Mythic Quest, but... The hell's that? Uh, that's the one with. Um, we were talking the, about it a few weeks ago. Yeah, it was probably months ago now. But um, I don't the one with Rob McElhenney and it was about it was like Silicon Valley, but oh yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yep, yep. It's yeah, like I I do want to kind of see the stuff on Apple TV Plus because it's I don't know, like they have nothing else. Yeah. yeah. So 
surely the stuff on there's good. Oh, it's, right? it's high quality, like, like television. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. That's the thing. Or is it all just? Oh, we're high quality. Look, look how. No, I think they've put. They've is. invested it's, into it it's not to grow just, it. Yeah. It's not just like. Oh yeah, it's so. I think they're not just fancy. going. We've got like, Oprah. Like, yeah, yeah, they're not just pumping out shit. Yeah, no, they're, they're, just it's like, to give people content. Yeah, like because you can get the pilots for everything. For yeah, everything, so I yeah. should try some, but like. I know. I, I don't want to finish just like see how Mythic Quest goes and then go from there. But cool, cool. Fair I enough. don't want to pay for another subscription. Shall I wrap us up? Sure. If you want. Right. Well, um, you can reach us at Watch It Again Pod at <laughs> Gmail. I had to completely <laughs> Watch It Again Pod at Gmail dot com or at Watch It Again Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to I can't remember your name, but you told me that my yawn was audible when I said, oh, no one will hear that. But you commented <laughs> on the post and said that it was audible, so I'm very sorry. But yeah, sick. Um, Thanks, mate. At least you didn't start with a yawn like Nick yeah, did no, this yeah, week. Yeah, like, far out, man. Um, oh, that was a bit. If that was a... Wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so leave a review on iTunes, send us an email or whatever. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening. I hope you continue to enjoy... Um, we had a like from the Philippines, so thanks, man. Woo! Shout out. Nice. Keep listening. Um, so, as always, I am your host, Jacob. Um, thank you so much for listening. And with me, as always, is... I'm Kat. And I'm Nick. Catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.